Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the final Talk Time Live exclusive of 2020. I am your host, Xavier Josiah, and what you're about to hear is one of the people behind the music that you hear every week on Talk Time Live, as well as the Select Star podcast, and that is Chris Davidson, a.k.a. DJ Cutman, uh, a man who you may have heard in so many of his Game Chops tracks, rather on Spotify, rather on, you know, and you've seen him online. You may have heard him, some celebrities mention him as well. You may have actually also heard his music on the recent Sonic the Hedgehog movie that we got a chance to see this year that, thank God, was successful. And man, uh, we're going to talk about everything that, you know, we haven't got a chance to talk to you yet. This is like my third interview with him, but the first time on this platform. And the funny part is he just lives up the street from me. So, that you know, we'll talk about that and joke about that, but damn COVID for that. But also, if you wanted to see the video version of this, you could go on to talktomlife.com where you could see the video version uh, via YouTube. Check it out there. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this now, you're listening to the audio version, you're going to hear a bit of a contrast and a believe that is due to the fact that we are on zoom when we did this interview i normally do it on skype where the audio quality is just a little better in terms of you know clarity but it's still concise it's still legible in, in terms of uh you know vocal and, and oral you know in that sense but uh you will hear slightly a difference and that's why but nonetheless we cover a lot and i want you to enjoy this and then before we even get started i just want to say thank you to him uh, thank you to Megaran, thank you to Greg Casavan, thank you to Chris Battle in the beginning of the year, Brian Donovan, the entire cast of Naruto that joined me for the uh, Q&A virtual, uh, uh, virtual con that, I, that we did in a virtual panel, I should say, that we did uh, earlier this summer when all this craziness was going on. And, you know, much more uh, Ben Fiquette from Lizard Cube Games, you know, who worked on Streets of Rage 4. Uh, just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm missing people. We had a lot of people on this year. And I cannot be even more grateful because if not for all of this going on right now, it, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would have been doing aside from, you know, working on design work and all this stuff. But, it, you know, it really helped me to 
become a lot more social in that grounds and to reach out and just be able to hear these guys. It, it, it was really calming. It was really tranquil for me personally. So I really enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. If you want to check out the video version of this, like I said, go to TalkTimeLive.com. You can see the video version of this where there's a lot more to see uh, when it comes to content of, of some video footage, some old video footage of even me and him from 2013 is on that video. So uh, I highly recommend you know going out of your way to check that out. If you want to listen to this via you know your normal streams, that's also fine as well. But you know there's there's something even more rewarding looking at the video version of this interview right now so um you know you go to talktimelive.com for this and all of the interviews that we did this year and even prior to uh you can go to exclusive page as i always say and you can check out the list of people that's been on the show and uh it's been an honor it's always been an honor i'm looking forward to 2021 and hopefully we can be back in on track uh and doing what we love you know, but from a more social aspect. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's not waste any more time. Here is my interview with the one and only DJ Cutman. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, coming all the way from up the street from me, it's a man <laughs> whose music you hear every single episode on Talk Time Live Prime, as well as the Select Start Gaming podcast. He has performed all over the country. He was mentioned by the likes of WWE's Xavier Woods and AKA Austin Creed, soon to be in G4, uh, as the DJ yes. producer that you need to check out. He is the founder and final boss of Game Chops. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome for Philly's own DJ Cutman finally on Talk Time Live. What's going I on, man? I made it. I know. Thanks. And, and we came in, we're coming from such a distance. What is it? It's like two or three blocks, right? <laughs> right. Like, who, knew, like, just, a, like just a nice little years. walk up the street. Yeah, exactly. Damn but, you, COVID. Uh, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> no, awesome. Um, it's funny, too, because I've interviewed you. You're like literally one of my first interviews. Oh, ever. really? Yeah, because, I mean, we've known each other for five years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I met you at your release album party for uh, Meow Meow and Bow Wow. Yes, that's right. Which Moko, right? blew me away. <laughs> blew me. Not only just your performance, but the ambiance around it and the people that were uh, following it. And I'm going to talk a little bit further on that, but I was just so amazed. And we just kept, you know, bumping into each other on the way up. You were there when I was nominated for the Philly Geek Award. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that was an awesome time. <laughs> And then I see you at Keystone Comic Con with your wife. And by the way, congratulations! Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, I finally, I finally got married. Yeah, that was. Uh, she's been with me. Uh, Maddie's been with me since, uh, since like the very first out-of-state DJ Cutman gig. So my very wow. first gig, I was living in Ithaca, upstate New York, for uh, the dawn of Cutman, and I got this <laughs> offer to come and play a festival called Artscape down in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. It was like. Um, 300 350 mile drive and I, had, I like I had not driven like more than five miles to a show I had just played like in downtown Ithaca yeah. um and I mentioned it to Maddie who was my girlfriend at the time like hey I got this offer in Baltimore but it's really far away I don't know and she was like oh I come <laughs> like I'd share the drive so I was like oh yeah sure so like dude I just uh, I just owe so much to that to that lady for not just bearing with me and my weird creative <laughs> creative whatevers but uh supporting me throughout the whole DJ company project and just trust me you know that I know that you know our our wives are the pivotal parts of our journeys yeah we both got science wives man lucky us and look and look and we're doing it so good too <laughs> absolutely agreed so i mean let's get real for one second um sure. you know we we can't be we, i would be remiss if we didn't talk about all of this i've talked about this with every guest i've had since this started how are you how have you been in, in terms of COVID and uh the coronavirus era of 2020 well you know as you know philly is not uh the chillest place to be 
um, with this going on, but I feel like our neighborhood uh, in particular is handling it pretty well. Like University most, City has been awesome. Most people, most people have masks on. I don't feel like yeah. I'm dodging a lot of Ronas like I kind of was in the spring. Yeah. Um, so most people are in line. The grocery stores are on point. Yeah. And that's a relief. But man, when this first started and I had to wait online outside the grocery store for an hour to wow. like go into a grocery store and I didn't even know if there was any food in there. That right. was really scary. That was really like the toilet paper shortage. People talking about hoarding toilet paper and stuff and like we never got to a place that i was aware of where the city ran out of toilet paper but right. that fear that weird first world problem of we might run out of that uncertainty paper. yeah but then yeah. combined with um combined with the real problem of like mm -hmm. having to wait for food yeah. uh in the modern world like was it, it was a lot and i stopped uh i stopped writing music for many many months like wow. i stopped being able to really have total creative output because of just the the stress and the just trying to wow. keep everything together and you know when my mom had been sick um and and she she passed uh, just uh this wow. october and um having that kind of happening the whole time we're in lockdown we yeah. actually um i'm really grateful thanks to my wife actually encouraging me to go down and visit her maybe a month before she passed or yeah. six weeks before she passed despite the lockdowns despite the fact that we were like mapping out our route being like our gas stations and rest stops going to be closed and like oh, many right. of them were so like where are we going to go how are we going to get there but uh but yeah man i mean all in all this year has been crazy like total messed up hundred thousand things going wrong all over the place like not just covid but just like in general the energy has been chaos yeah but uh <clears throat> Now that we're nearing the end of it, we're now in December, uh, things have shaken out pretty well. I mean, you know, my mom has passed and, and it's heartbreaking, but in a way there's relief there because she's like not in pain any longer. Yeah. And, um, and me and my sister know that, you know, she's in a better place now because most of these past few years, she's yeah. not really in a good place. So, so there's that. And then also the fact that like by some grace of God over the past few months, I would say like August on, Really, when everything was like looking worse than ever, I managed to really pull my act together and get out of a lot of really important, uh, really good video game albums. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Chill Tendo, uh, <laughs> Super Lo-Fi World 2, Zelda and Chill 2. Yeah. Um, there was just some really good music that came out this fall that was like, I wasn't writing it. You know, I wasn't, I, those, I'm not the producer on those albums. I was just a mastering engineer and like mm -hmm. executive producer, like helping the artists with whatever they needed, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, but those albums turned out so good, like yeah, despite the pain that was going on, despite the, the hardship and that was all over the world, you know, Helliant who did super lo-fi world one and two, he's based mm. in Italy that got hit with COVID super bad. And it was wow. like. He's he was in a point where like their hospitals were maxed out for like I don't know what it was like a month or right right and um as an American I'm not trying to ever go to the hospital but <laughs> knowing that you couldn't even go because there's no free beds like yeah. that's really crazy yeah. and so he produced that album during all that and I was able to master it and put it together and I'm I listened back to the Game Chops catalog particularly from this fall yeah and um it's so good man so many good songs and like I don't feel like I had to make sacrifices on any of it. I really feel like it really came out its best. And, you know, um, Jokabi, who did Zelda, uh, who did Chill Tendo, um, was just a delight to work with. He's actually the brother of Michael, who did the Zelda and Chill albums. Yeah. So I'm working with these two brothers on these two, like, lo-fi concept albums. And then Helliant, Super Lo-Fi World, um, he's been my collaborator for many years. And mm -hmm. he's just a dream to work with. Just, like, super great guitar player, great arranger, but also just, mm -hmm. like... Um, super positive super productive kind of attitude and a really really just a nice person to talk to like 
I can say like, Hey man, I didn't get to it this week. And he'll, and he, he's never once responded like negatively to me explaining life. Right. Sometimes, man, when you talk about life, like it's hard to not get like those strong feelings. So I really appreciate an artist who's like going to bear with me. And that gives me more incentive to like, when I do have time to really work on their stuff to make sure it's a hundred percent. And that's what I feel like really, really happened this year. So I'm really grateful with how all the music shook out and how so many people are out there listening and enjoying it. And and there's a chain to that too, because your music, you know, Mega's music, and I'm talking about Mega Rand's music as well. And Kmart, all of y'all helped me get through this whole COVID thing. People have been mentioning that like in my comments and on Twitter. Yeah. And now that the Spotify year end thing is people are just been like, you got help got me through. Mm Mm-hmm lockdown and i'm just like i i just feel so blessed that uh my like creative work like the the thing i kind of feel like i'm put on earth to do is like make these game music beats and yeah and stuff it's really not just like it's not just like a gig whatever it's like really adding value and like helping people you know with their lives it's helping me with my life like i dude i listen to zelda and chill too like 50 times (laughs) since it came out and usually by the time the album comes out i've like had enough of it so but what was it that brought you back into the passion and energy to do music again when you were going through those emotional situations in your life um it's because you know as an artist i've had my trial and tribulations too and much like you and your sister i we lost our mom uh you know way back when i was 20 just when i was getting into college so like i trust me i empathize with you on that new and thoughts and prayers to you and our entire family on that thanks man i appreciate that what was like what brought you back that what brought that energy back dude to be honest like i didn't that was the the productive working on music energy is the one part of me that really didn't leave yeah like i was the one last thing you had left you felt it was like, that's what, it's not that, what did it bring me back to doing it? It was like, that is what kept me going yeah. through all this. Mm-hmm. The relationships with the artists, you know, Michael, yeah. uh, Jokabi, Hellion, just those three guys with those three albums I mentioned. Yeah. Um, they're all just great, excellent people to be working with. And I'm just so grateful to be working with not such, not just just talented folks, but um, also just like folks that I feel are like real humans and yeah. treat me like a real human, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was thinking, you know, beyond anything, I pushed all my, D- I was going to do DJ Company in volume five, was going to come out this summer. It didn't. And now yeah. it's looking like it might come out soon. Actually, yeah. I'm getting really close. But um, I canceled all my own stuff because I could, I didn't have the gas in the tank for it. But yeah. with a little bit of fumes I was running off of, you know, when my mom stuff hit, I was like working on, I was working on stuff for the people I knew uh, deserved it. The people yeah. I knew who uh, would appreciate it. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, I can't even do stuff for me right now, but I know I can do stuff for Hellion. He's awesome. I know I can do this for Michael. You mm-hmm. know, Zelda and Chill 2 is worth me just pounding coffee and forcing right. myself <laughs> in front of the thing and doing the work because one, once I'm doing the work, it doesn't even feel like work at all. It's just it's yeah. music. Like it, it's just the music is so good and so close to my heart mm-hmm. that even when I didn't have the gas in the tank to take care of myself, um, I was able to still make some small moves on the album such that we didn't even have to delay any of them. They right. Came. 
And Zelda and Chill 2, oh my gosh, we were so close to having to delay it. It did not get cleared until like 72 hours wow. before it came out. And we shipped six weeks in advance. We were being super like on point. Six yeah. weeks in advance. We have our pitch already written. Mm -hmm. And then something happens on our distributor side to like slow up the cover song licensing. Right. Which usually happens in like a week. But it took uh, five and a half weeks. Did and COVID I, have anything to do with that? The delays? I'm and sure it did. Yeah. yeah. I like you, you, you email them and try to get an answer and like, you don't really get an answer, but they're like, we're working on it, we're working on it. And then it's like Wednesday, the album's gonna come out on Friday. And and I woke up, I didn't even sleep that night, actually. I just like laid in bed and like stress sweat until like seven in the morning and get out of bed and be like, if it's not clear today, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do because if this, if it's not on Spotify before it comes out, I can't like prep or anything, it's gonna be total chaos. Right. And I miss so many people. And that morning I went on, I opened up my computer and I reloaded the DistroKid dashboard yeah and it was green and i was just like oh my gosh it's like another miracle <laughs> um another miracle this year so uh yeah it was crazy but like that's the kind of stuff that's been happening all year and mm -hmm. yeah i'm sure it's covid but it's just like the chaos is not just like don't go outside without a mask don't go to the gym and work out next to some guy breathing heavy it's not just that it's that yeah. the entire like system is is gotten all crashing <laughs> completely so for no me it was just like am i safe to come outside without anything really crazy happening involving certain authorities <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes oh my god in philly too i like yeah it. yeah and you think Alicom that it, it, you know for quite some time philly felt like it was de derived from all of that and then the walter wallace you know uh situation happened which is like literally like 10 minutes away from us oh yeah and it you know and it was right around um you know Hall uh halloween and i was just like i was done <laughs> yeah i was about yeah. done at the time and thank goodness for this election <laughs> at yeah least. Uh, dude i i know and like philly brought it home philly kind of was the city that like save the world and I'm we were the so avengers <laughs> yeah we were yeah for i kept telling yeah. people in the acmg group like this this is our end game we need to be for real about it yes. take all this all this fantasy stuff out of the way this is our real deal if we don't do it now it's done yeah i'm really i'm really happy and uh but yeah dude the helicopters during all the and the when the national guard or whatever came in you know that's on 50th street it's like yeah we could hear it and we were smelling tear gas in the apartment oh wow yeah, that's, man. That's crazy. It was. I mean, that's my fault for leaving all the windows open when there's tear gas being. Maybe that's why I didn't smell it. Yeah, I'm new to it. Always closed. And like you're, you're on a low floor in the building, right? We're I'm in the first floor. floor. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the top floor, so like helicopters hovering overhead all night is just wow. like all night. Now no, 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 no. Copters like, I heard. It was crazy. Dude, if I'm ever doing like hard music again, like back when I was doing dubstep in 2012, I gotta sample some sound of a helicopter coming through the ceiling of your apartment because that's like about the most stressful sound i've ever heard at first you're like oh a helicopter cool but then after it's been going for 10 minutes 20 minutes an hour day after wow. day night after like, night yeah dude. i'm just but you realize how quiet it was after yeah, yes yeah exactly it is so quiet I, I i hear like a siren every once in a blue moon but it's like yeah. an ambulance or something like that it's night and day it's it's just insane but i digress you talk about that the what i call the chill series of albums mm -hmm. that um your crew has been coming out with what yeah. led on to this series because it's a whole different mellow and theme that you guys have come yeah, out with you know we were doing dance music game tops really like became a label in 2012 yeah i started it as a mixtape in 2010 which i think uh, was around the time i you know first you know met, yeah, those very first shows. yeah it was yeah. my it was the first studio dj cutman album was yeah. called game chops 
Mm-hmm. And uh, then in 2012 was when we did Triforce of Bass, and we actually and that popped off, that and we actually started licensing stuff. Yeah. Before we were just like doing OC remix, kind of like free remixes here and there. Mm-hmm. But 2012 was when it became a label. When I started like working with the cash flow, getting artists paid for their music, yeah. getting licenses so we could sell it, all that kind of stuff. And um, we did dance music because I was touring as a DJ and I felt like this is what we needed yeah. as a nerd scene is we needed good video game dance music. And mm-hmm. I wanted to hear that when I was at events and I wanted to listen to that when I was gaming or whatever. Keep in mind, you know, back in that era, it was like a very different era and like hard pounding, intense, fierce music yeah. Uh, was awesome because the world wasn't quite like that just mm-hmm. yet. Um, and so what happened, I think, in like 2016, 2017, 2018, when the last president came in and things got gross leading up to the election and things yeah. stayed gross, um, <laughs> I think people general, the, the hive mind or the, the collective consciousness like needed to chill out because yeah. life had gotten so intense. The news became like a dubstep song, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, it really has. So I found myself listening to like chill beats and I had been making, I had been mixing rap beats with video game music since the very first DJ Cutman album. Like yeah. that was basically the foundational thing was, um, for me, I was thinking of like video game, hip hop instrumentals. That's like the block I had in my head. Yeah. And it was only like maybe two or three years ago when I realized lo-fi hip hop or just lo-fi beats like was essentially that. Um, Yeah. It was like more chilled out than the kind of music that I was instinctively producing. But it was Mm -hmm. like the the foundational elements which was like boom bap beat and a nice video game tune like framed up together. It was basically that. So I was in a rare opportunity, only time in my life where the kind of music that I make naturally uh, was popular. I was just like so stoked because like, I've been making beats with video game music for my whole life. And um, it finally became something that people wanted to hear. I don't don't make dubstep. Like I made a couple dubstep songs. It's been a while since I've heard any of you. (laughs) Yeah, and and like I don't, I I don't never really consider myself as a dubstep producer, despite the fact when I was touring, I was playing a lot of those songs. but I was making what was essentially back in the day, 2010, 2012, yeah. would be considered lo-fi hip hop. Right. And I was kind of sneaking those out and opening and closing sets. I was like yeah. putting them on mixtapes for free and dropping them for free on YouTube and SoundCloud and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it, around the time Zelda and Show came out, um, which turned out so good, but also was kind of an unexpected thing. I had taken that summer off touring right. for some medical shit. And I... Um, I didn't have my normal block of September shows, which is like TwitchCon and um, PAX Prime, I think. And there's yeah. just a bunch of big shows that happened in September. I didn't have it. Yeah. And Michael, at the time, with 10 followers on his Twitter, DMs me being like, hey, can you help me get out my Zelda tribute album? And I was like, oh, I can't like directly post it to Spotify, but let me listen to it. Maybe we could sign it. I'm right. free this month and I'm not usually. And I listened to it. And um, I was like, oh, this is the kind of beats that I make. Cool. So um, I decided to master it and we rebranded it Zelda and Chill, which is just like a name that popped into my head yeah. uh, one day. And it blew up in a way that things had not blown up in many years. Right. So like over the trajectory of Game Chops, there's actually been multiple eras of like smash hits that mm-hmm. all like double the size of the label. So back in 2012, it was the Triforce of Bass, which didn't really double it. It kind of like created the label. Right. And um, 2013, we had an album called World One Two, which was a collaborator uh, of mine who went to start his own label called Brainwave, Brave mm-hmm. Wave. And uh, they do awesome stuff like the Streets of Rage 4 soundtrack. Which are oh, wow. I think I have it right here. Yeah, I do. 
It's how. Oh, that's pretty awesome. You know, it's dope. Is yeah, that is it, that directly with the company that made yeah, uh, Street to Reach Four? Like it's got so many logos down here, but uh, where's huh. Brave? There's Brave Wave and Generation Series is their brand for game sound. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Did, yeah. I don't know if you know, but I actually had uh, Ben Faquette from Paris, who was the guy who's the artist and the game developer for Street to Reach Four. Oh, that's awesome, dude! That game he, turned out so is, good. He is fantastic. He was great on the show. And uh, I recently congratulated him because he's uh, being nominated for uh, a game award next week. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, and, Street Rage uh, 4 is so fun, too. He is, I, Look, the minute I played that, I immediately reached out to him and was like, yeah, I got to talk to you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he was, like, very nice. He, uh, he actually, it's a funny story, he actually rode his bike to the studio to talk to me. Oh, really? From Paris. And they were going through a lot of COVID stuff back then. And it was just off the cuffs of the release of that uh, game too. He he's just been awesome. Uh, the, it was just, I, I'm he deserves everything he and and the team deserves everything. And uh, Lizard Cube, uh, oh yeah, they deserve yeah. everything they got. Everybody that was involved with it, it's just awesome. Yeah, and I'm I'm playing through on very hard mode right now too. Ooh. I'm like really proud. I usually don't get that hardcore about it, but I just but they got they give you incentives. At least you're unlocking new things. I know, I love it. Yeah, that's all <laughs> I need. Yeah. So all right. Interesting question here. Um, I actually asked a question to our ACMG Facebook group just recently this morning. And in regards to, like, in terms of anime, comics, movies, and games, what form of entertainment was great? Uh, did, uh, what was the best form of entertainment in 2020 for them? Many of them said gaming. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking about you and what you do, do you credit gaming this year for helping your you know every uh, all the attention that you've got because you know movies have kind of declined because of covid uh anime still kind of made a good deal move um comics it's been you know comics in in terms of reading comics hasn't been as strong as it was since the 90s but gaming has come up majorly do you think that you know the gaming industry kind of helped you know elevate what you guys have been doing for COVID? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Animal Crossing in particular, not only yes, did that especially rescue, that. like 230 hours of my life, like legitimately, <laughs> like that was a lifesaver, that game. Yeah. Because I'm a kind of person, if I don't have currently have a game to play, like I kind of like, uh, kind of lose my, my, my head a little bit. Guess what I was doing before this, uh, before this interview. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I got over 200 hours and I like, I built some dumbass. I built something dumbass in my town and I'm so ashamed of it that I just stopped playing. Like I don't want to go and look at that stupid blue table with the white cat plushie and the piano next to it. It just doesn't look good. Um, I should though, I should go back and like squint real hard and just clean up that area. Right. But, uh, but yeah. And also in the animal crossing music, um, Mm -hmm. we did a bunch of remixes and covers, um, which I'm sure helped a lot of people because it's, I would, it's arguable. It's very arguable to say Animal Crossing may have possibly been the most important game of the year in terms of tranquility and therapeutic yeah, means. I, agree. I think a lot of people, especially the introvert community, use that as a way to just have a calm nature. And I think psychologists recently like discovered that too. Um, and and it, hell, it did affect the election <laughs> in yeah. some cases too. Yeah, I hope so. So it's it's really like it's it's an amazing thing but like you really believe that it did help you in terms of like uh well if we're just talking statistically like absolutely i made yeah. a playlist called animal crossing and chill yeah. and i made that playlist um not that we have one of those albums we don't have a and chill album for animal crossing right but i made the it's playlist chill enough <laughs> yeah 
but I made the playlist <laughs> to combine like my favorite remixes from it, uh, some the tracks we're doing on Game Chops, and then the tracks yeah. from other producers and stuff. And uh, that playlist now has over thirty thousand followers. It's the biggest playlist I ever wow. made, and it and it and it squashed Video Game Study Lounge, which I made like seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and Animal Crossing and Chill is less than one year old and has more. It it has a bigger like it has thirty one thousand people save this playlist and wow. it's on their Spotify and they can pop on these remixes at any time. So in terms of like the actual label and listenership, like yeah. yes, yeah, absolutely. But then also because the game is so good and like you said, tranquility and getting uh mm-hmm. the therapeutic the aspect breath. of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So I mean I would say like a thank you, Nintendo, for Animal Crossing. <laughs> I have my that. Animal Crossing uh now gene. I think I saw an Instagram <laughs> ad for this and I was like, Yes, I will t- I will have that. Um But yeah, yeah, it's it's good. I mean gaming is had some ups and downs for sure. Yeah. But uh this year Nintendo in particular has really come through for me. Zoom and, and Zoom and gaming, pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me ask you this too. I mean, you were like going back to 2012 when you first started. Like, were there any doubts of you getting the publicity and acknowledgement that you were getting now? Like, were there times oh when you God. were like just getting a hundred hits and it was like, will this ever come to fruition? Or did you already have that battle plan? And when I was getting a hundred plays, I felt like it was coming to fruition. Honestly. Um, I did not expect it to blow up in the way it has, no. But I'm not yeah. surprised that it has blown up because it's really good. And every and myself, I commit 100% to making shit as good as it can be. I Absolutely. do not own in anything. Yeah. Like, sometimes there are deadlines, yeah. Sometimes, like, you can't sit on anything any longer. Right. But um, I'm, going on, I'm giving 100% to every song I work with, every artist that I work with, every musician, no matter where they are, what we're working on. Yeah. I'm giving it my full attention. And yeah. I think that that's rare. I'm kind of surprised. Um, I think it's rare. I think a lot of labels... From an artist standpoint, you mean? or From a label standpoint. From a label standpoint, okay. Because, you know, Game Chops is me. You know, yeah. I have my producer, Ellie Rocks, on Twitter. She's great. Um, mm-hmm. Helps me with the back end, helps me with the metadata, helps me with our uh, expenditures and our ledgers and the spreadsheets, the spreadsheets. Absolutely. Um, God bless her. But, like, every <laughs> album on Game Chops comes through this computer, yeah. these ears, this speaker, this, the, this room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't skip, skimp on anything. So yeah. I think that's why, even though Game Chops may not have the output of some other labels, you know, yeah. big labels put out a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of music, mm-hmm. but everything we do put up, put out, I personally stand behind because, yeah. you know, I'm giving it my all. And like, yeah, some songs are weird, like, and they're going to be weird forever. And some yeah. people are weird. <laughs> and I'm going to be weird forever. But uh, I really think that a commitment to quality is what set Game Chop support. Yeah. Because when I went into this dude, I went to film, I went to school for film. Whoops, right? Uh, I, went to, <laughs> <laughs> I went to school for film thinking I was going to make movies because I had gone into college. I got accepted yeah. to college. And I had thought, man, I love movies. Every movie I've ever seen, I loved. I'm going to learn how to do this. And that'll be my life's passion. And yeah. within my first year of school, like my first freshman year, I like go back for Christmas time or something after my first semester at film school. Mm-hmm. And I went to see a movie with my parents and I didn't like it. Mm. And it was the first time in my life that I had gone to the movie theater and not like enjoyed it the whole time. And it right. was just like I had just gotten enough education to like break the magic of movies. Yeah. But I didn't learn enough to like reappreciate it, you know, the way like an adult does. Right. <laughs> that's when I started playing with music. As just, like I'm in film school, you know, I got to learn how to load the film cameras. I got to learn how to edit. And back right. in the day, we were still using film. We were still 
digital was like new and was yeah. only allowed only the seniors got to do digital we were like straight up filming stuff and the raw the the, the raw versus digital debate has been something i've been a part of for years yeah, yeah i get exactly. it <laughs> so music became like a fun outlet for me it was like yeah. a creative outlet and um I would start making beats on GarageBand, and I moved to Reason, then I moved to Pro Tools, then I moved to Ableton, and now I do this Ableton Pro Tools combination setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think, you know, going through school, learning how to make movies, and, and clearly, you know, I, I make the videos for the Game Chops YouTube channel, so, like, I am using some of my degree. It took me right. 11 years to pay off my four years of film school, but, like, I'm making YouTube videos now. Don't so even I- tell me about student loans right now. <laughs> Dude, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. But like I paid back my loans um, you know, after 11 years. I did have a day job. But the final loan payment uh, was through uh, royalties from wow. my music. Uh, like the final like one that I paid were no more school loans, which was like I think like three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, it was not a day job. It was from like Spotify and Bandcamp and touring. Wow. So um, that was really great. But uh but yeah, I think, you know, having the music thing as my creative outlet and like didn't have the academic pressure on music yeah. allowed me to sort of develop this mindset of a musician, a producer who isn't like super hardened by music school. And by the way, I would love to go to music school and like learn how to play really well. Mm-hmm. But like, I think the fact that I was coming in, like just so passionate and like, this is my hobby. This is the fun thing. Yeah. When I started getting, I got a job as a as a part-time engineer in a recording studio, right. I was like less about getting the seven bucks an hour and more about like, I'm just so excited to be working. To learning, music. yeah, exactly. We're making movies is so hard. I was trying to like make cartoons and like I was making, post the cartoons on Newgrounds, like submitting to film festivals and, and it wasn't really <laughs> shaken out. Couldn't get any work. People love the cartoon, but they but couldn't get any work. Yeah. And then, um, so I'm working this film job, right? Uh, it, the internship became a job after school. And uh, my buddy, who is like a uh, visual artist, has yeah. a Nintendo-themed uh, art show where he's made a bunch of like Lego, like cheap cheeps and like oh, mushrooms wow. and Mario. And he's like made a bunch of like sprite work with Legos and they put them on canvases and made this cool art show. And right. he was like, hey, I know you collect video game music and you've been working at the recording studio. Do you think you could figure out how to DJ and play some video game music at my art show? And I was like, all right, I, it's software, right? It can't be that hard to learn. So <laughs> right. I like downloaded a trial of Ableton and I watched some tutorials back in like 2010 or 2009. So it was pretty rough. Uh, I figured <laughs> out how to put to get a set together, put together about 50 minutes of my own collection of video game music, played mm-hmm. at my friend's art show. It's chaotic, but fun. And then right. like after that show was over and I go home at the end of the night, I'm like, oh, I want to make another mix. That was fun. Now I have 50 minutes of my own curtailed favorite songs in order that I picked like that was great yeah. and I like just got hooked on like making mixes this was before it was even really gigging I just wanted to I just wanted to put tracks in the order that sounded good and like right. play them front to back so I did that for like a year or two and I was busking and playing on the street and stuff and that led to gigs and gigs led to um tours and the tours are where I met all of the other artists who were doing yeah. this too and realized ah I should start a label with all these folks help everybody, you know, get their music out. And then also like, I'll, as a DJ, I'll have a great pool of tracks to play. And so right. all these other DJs. So, um, yeah, that was really the foundation of stuff. And like, I didn't go into game chops thinking this was going to be my business and I can't wait for it to pop off. It was like, I was going into game chops and video game music. Cause this is fun because my career like wasn't really going any well on the phone. I tell you so what, well. I remember when we first, the first interview I've ever done with you at, um, at, uh, what was it? The Mocha 
Kef- Philomoka? Philomoka, yeah. Yeah. When at your release party and I interviewed you. And one of the things that always stuck by me, which because I this is when I the moment I really respected what you did as an artist, is when you said it doesn't really matter about money. It's just about getting it out there and doing what you love. And, you know, the money will come eventually and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is the type of philosophy that I've been going by for so long that I keep telling people, like, you can't focus on funds when, you, yeah. when you're not, if you're not having fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, th- I think the, the, I mean, like now we have an audience where Game Chops is a totally self-sustaining business. Like, yeah, I could leave earth. I could vanish. And like all right. the artists would continue to get their royalty checks because all that stuff set up, right? Like all the producers and everything um, would continue to everything. The way, the way I've set up the business is a lot of the payment stuff is all automated. So I'm not actually even having to touch anybody's money anymore. Right. I, I like the phrase, uh, I don't want to take money. I want to make money. Like I don't need artists. Like the old record label was about like sort of the artist going in debt to the label. Yeah. And, if the if the music does really well, the label makes enough money that the artist starts to get paid. Yeah, and I thought that model is not so good. Um, it's an outdated and, model that a lot of companies of old do or yeah, have and, done and, or maybe still doing. And the weird thing about it is like it just puts all the risk on the artist, basically. Yeah. You know, it's it's all the business risk is on the artist because the label is it's going to get it back everything that it spends if eventually. Yeah. So um, and my dad was a musician, grew up in the eighties, nineties, and two thousands, and I mm-hmm. saw how like the people who are making the music are really not taken care of once the music's made, you know? So when I started Game Chops, I was like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I'm touring and I'm making some money playing shows. Why don't I just support myself with that? And then the label, we'll, um, we'll just split it up on the back end. When, when things, if I need to pay an artist $50 to draw something for Almar, I'll just do that with yeah. this money I had from this gig. And eventually that song will make $50 back and we'll split up the money and I'll get that and I can use it for something else. And the artists will get that. They can pay their rent. They can eat food. And, um, and like the weird thing about it, I mean, I guess it's not weird. I mean, the, the label's just two people. It's me and Ellie. So, um, there's enough royalties coming in to take care of both of us. I mean, Ellie mostly, I still put all the money back into the business. Right. Um, But, uh, it's like some labels, they just have so many people on the back end, like major labels having 4,000 employees or something. I, let's see on Wikipedia, like 4,000 employees, 6,000 employees internationally. It's like, good, good Lord. Like, no wonder most artists are not getting paid. That business is so big. It, it's so straight. Yeah, it's so straight out. Like, yeah. But in the modern day, like anyone can go on DistroKid and put their song on Spotify. Like anybody mm-hmm. can go on Bandcamp and sell it right to their fans. Like yeah. there are the options there. So when I started Game Chops, I didn't, I didn't want to start a record label. I wanted to like find a way to boost the value of music. Yeah. And my thought is, um, why don't we just, why don't we outsource all the accounting stuff? Give me the maximum amount of time to spend on mastering, uh, mix revisions, artist mm-hmm. development, like all this kind of the, the fun, meaty stuff, the work involved yeah. in doing a record label. And then all that stuff that takes a lot of people, we'll just outsource and do, give it to SoundDrop who will take care of the cover song licenses. We'll give it yeah. to DistroKid who will take care of the Spotify, so it's such and such. Right. And um, it was that shift rather than like trying to get investment funding and like build a classic re- record label that yeah. has enabled me to sort of work on so much awesome music, like work on so many great records, Zelda and Chill, mm-hmm. genre changing back in 2015, Undertale remixed, was a total groundbreaking record. Seems mm-hmm. obscure now, but some of those tracks like still are blowing up every day. And um, that's what I love was working on working with good artists on good projects. Yeah. So um, by outsourcing the money stuff, which like the first, I have a great lawyer now, but my first lawyer said 
I told them about this model. Like, I'm just going to take, you know, I'm going to give the majority of the money to the artist and I'm just going to pay for the bills with profits. And until we're making enough profits, I'm just going to put it in out of my money. And yeah. the first lawyer I said, be like, told me like, don't do that. And I was like, why? He's like, well, no, he didn't say don't do it. He said, you sure you want to do that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, I do. I don't want to like, I don't want to take money away from artists. You're not thinking for, for yourself. You're thinking for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Because like holistically, that's what mattered to me was having an entity that, that, that rules that like, that takes care of everybody. Because Damn, they're altruistically, I might say. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, for me, it just feels like that is how you get the best music. You don't get the best music by like tricking someone into recording 12 songs for you. I tell you, yeah. I wish, I really wish that like some people that me and you have come across in our lives, uh, as oh, well man. as like my old, as well as my old, you know, corporate office that I used to work for would think it had that type of philosophy because that's how you do it. Like that's, that's great morale. You yeah. know, when you do that, it inspires people to want to do more. And like, yeah, when, and that's, that's my, I don't get, I don't see why people don't get that. It's hard, man. I think that's what it is. I, I think it's hard to give a shit 24-7. And like, that's the one thing that I is feel it? like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe not for you. I think for some people, I think for some people, particularly folks who are like conditioned and raised through like a single pathway in life, it's hard, like by, by mean like somebody who goes, you know, from being good at math to getting an MBA and doing business stuff, who goes into the corporate world, who like achieves the ranks of VP. Like I'm not mad at an executive for making like basic ass calls because mm -hmm. they're trained to make those calls. And right. there's a lot of things like we want to like work. Like I want SEPTA to keep, keep you know, the trolleys to keep running. And I don't <laughs> want someone like me in charge of the schedule because like, right. Uh, because I'm going to do some crazy shit that might be weird. You might put out a bunch of dubstep songs in 2020. The 13 you know? and the 34 would just crash. Right yeah, exactly. So like, there's definitely value over that. But in the arts, man, I think it's really important to take care of people because that's how you get careers that last. And yeah. like, you know, not to bring the conversation down a note, but like DJing is a kind of risky profession. Like DJs and touring artists tend to die young and we yeah. lose a lot of really great talent very very young because my opinion are they are pushed too hard um or the pressure of the amount of, or, or the pressure of the size of the business surrounding an individual i think about avici yeah. um who was just like so good mm -hmm. and lost his life a few couple years ago at like 21 years old or 22 years old um and even like people coming out being like he knew we were going too hard he tried to slow down but the machine was yeah. so big pushing forward that um you know it was too much to bear and for me so it, it, it's touring, mentally like mentally it, it it can kill you that's why yeah it can literally kill you like going I, look like long. i said the corporate office i had that same pressure was in me like 2000 what was it 2017 i believe or i forgot when i left but it was so much that i was like i had to i had to jet i couldn't take it anymore my, i didn't feel valued at all and i know i knew my value enough especially with everything that i was doing yeah. on the side of that to know that it was time for me to go my like after i talked to my wife it was like you know we we agree it's like we don't i don't want to go out like that <laughs> yeah you know exactly and um, i was the same way I, I had a corporate job for three or four years an office job where thankfully um my direct supervisor mm -hmm. like protected me just a little bit from that yeah. like i got yelled at a couple of times for making facebook posts during the day <laughs> i got yelled at for taking credit for like i edited this video that got showed to all these uh, 
Anyway, I edited a video. <laughs> it was a big video in the corporation. All the yeah. important wealthy people in charge of everything got to that see it. That sounds familiar. And I posted on Facebook being like, I made this video for the executive board, blah, 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 blah. and like no joke, and within like eight minutes, like manager I, I usually never talked to me was at my desk being like, get in here. You can't take credit. You were billed on an hour and blah, 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 blah. And, um, Some, it's I, I, but I held it down, man. I held it down to that job, um, yeah. for, uh, for like close to four years because, mm -hmm. um, it was easier than gigging in Philadelphia. Frankly, <laughs> it was, it was a more, it was a reliable paycheck and it helped me start paying off my school loans. And really mm -hmm. what it did is it gave me like a buffer time of like three, four years yeah. where I was just like figuring out you know, what it was I was really going to excel at. I wasn't a super solid engineer at the time. I was still remixing and figuring out my sound. I was writing blogs. You know, I was, um, I was making mixes and putting them on, on SoundCloud. So no direct way to make money at that yeah. time. And I was like figuring myself out and cultivating what Cutman and what Game Chops would become. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that job, even though sometimes it made me want to drink at lunchtime because, <laughs> you know, whatever. But I'm also really grateful that I'm in a position where I can like wake up in the morning and get and sit right down at this chair and get on something that really... <laughs> um, Hallelujah! <laughs> and, and clearly it really matters to other people too. I'm, I'm yeah. just so grateful everybody's listening to the music. And I'm, I, frankly, man, if I could be like totally honest, what I'm the most grateful for mm -hmm. is that my philosophy of giving a shit all the time seems to really work. Like, there's no secret here. Like, I, I can tell you what kind of speakers I have. I can tell you where I bought my wires. But like, when I'm mixing, I'm mixing like in my own way that yeah. any, everybody, anyone's going to have a different way to make music, to make art, to do their thing. Yes. But the only hard, fast rule that I've kept through this entire time, these whole 10 years, mm -hmm. is care. Give a shit all the time and take care of the people you're working with. Like, Thank you. Every, I mean, you can't make everybody happy, that's for sure, but you can certainly consider the people that you're working with. Yeah. And in a corporate environment, that's a thing that they don't often do. They don't mm -hmm. often consider with the other cogs in the machine. And like, that is that is 100% spot on. I mean, I totally empathize. Like everything that you said, in ter especially in terms of uh, what you had to go through with that situation, mm -hmm. I had a similar situation as well. Yeah, man. It's and, so crazy. Uh, and we could talk all day about the root cause of it. I, I think it's like maybe it's the way the United States, you know, the, a cultural thing or something like that. I, I, I think it is. I think it is. But let me, before I even continue, I, I got two more questions for you. I know you got you got other things you got to do, but definitely I am so happy to have you on the show. I'm so happy finally. to be here, man. It's great to talk to you. I feel like it's been like a decade since we've had a conversation. <laughs> it always is. I mean, we, we contact we, we contact every so often via text and all that stuff. It's crazy because we live up the street, but COVID has really separated us. <laughs> Yeah, on I that know, front, right? it, the I, the whole craziness of this whole entire year has been saying, but we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it work for 2021, guaranteed. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, but um, two more questions for you, but right. and I'll let you in with the plugs and all this stuff, especially your plug for the CBS segment that you just did. That was yes. awesome. But um, I mentioned at the beginning, you know, Xavier Woods. I don't know if you're a wrestling fan, but Xavier Woods. I'm a fan of Xavier Woods. Though. Exactly. Yeah. From a gaming perspective. Yeah. But Xavier Woods. From a most, human perspective. I just think <laughs> I had an opportunity to meet him at a couple cons and he is just an awesome, awesome guy. I, I hear this a lot, especially from uh, Mega Red as well. Um, but, you know, he mentioned, remember, I told you years ago when I was working corporate, I texted you because I was listening to the Chris Jericho uh, right, podcast. Right, and he plugs me. And yeah. I'm listening to Xavier Woods on there, and they're talking about who do you listen to music-wise. And lo and behold, I'm in, I'm in my office talking, listening to this, and who comes up? Like, well, 
I definitely recommend because I'm a gamer like that or something to that yeah. strength that DJ Cutman. And I'm like, I stopped every all my typing, everything I was doing. I'm like, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> and from that point, I actually of worlds. Right. And I was like, small freaking world. Let me and I texted you about I'm like, are you aware that you're being plugged by like uh, a WWE performer on one of the biggest podcasts out there in the wrestling industry right now? Yeah, man. It was like wild. it's like hundreds and hundreds that. of thousands of like listeners right now. <laughs> I think I got about five or six new Twitter followers that day, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, holy crap. And this is amazing. It's just like, this is why I'm so grateful because of the people that I have surrounded myself with throughout the years and all these connections. I am so grateful to even like know that these things are happening, let alone, you know, getting a chance to work with you guys and, and with the music that I get to use for the show and all this stuff. But yeah. I digress. My question to you is, who... Who, the, the, what was the biggest acknowledgement that you heard from uh, in terms of celebrity status? Because that was pretty big for me. Huh. Let me see. You know, I don't pay super close attention because I'm so in the process these days. Mm-hmm. But um, I got to meet Dead Mouse at TwitchCon a few years ago. Wow. And he was one of the big inspirations for me donning the helmet. Where is my helmet? The infamous oh, Cutman helmet. I don't if like people to can not see, know where if, it is. If our, oh, if our watchers can see, you can see the armor it. in the background. Oh, yeah, you can see that armor, right? Here, can, <laughs> there you go. The infamous armor. That thing is so awesome. That's what I really it's was still like. There. The helmet's down there. I don't know if you can see, but beyond the turntable. Yo, this is hard what I'm doing right now. Where is it? <laughs> it's back there. It's you like a Where's Waldo it. segment right now. I know. <laughs> it's, you can see the record, kind of. Yeah, I do. I do. Yes. <laughs> But I mean, like you should have rehearsed this part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that's all good. But no. Um, but yeah, like, meeting Dead Mouse was very, very cool. The mm-hmm. Xavier Woods plug, man, that was that was something. I mean, I talk about it in the CBS segment how mm-hmm. I was playing on the street uh, one day in 2010. I had uh, packed my speakers uh, into my cat carrier that had a mesh side and put a surge protector and extension cord in there. And I would take the cat carrier out, put it on the street, plug into like a public, like a municipal outlet yeah. with my I sit on it with my laptop on my lap and play like chrono trigger with rap beats over it. And, uh, <laughs> like proto lo-fi beats. Right. And, um, I remember these, I didn't even explain it very well in the segment. I will give a little extra color here, yeah. but, uh, these people came out of the nice bar in downtown Ithaca. They came mm-hmm. out of, it was, I think it's called Silky Jones. It was a mm-hmm. kind of a fancier bar. And these, these, it's, I think it was two couples, two yeah. men, two women come out nice. Like guys got suits on girls, got women got like nice looking dresses on or whatever. Yeah. And I'm playing Chrono Trigger music with like, you know, hip hop beat 95 looping over it in Ableton. Right. And um, these fancy people coming out of the fanciest place within, you know, on the commons where I was set up, mm-hmm. come up to the little podium where I'm playing and they dance around a chrono trigger and, you know, and it plays and I loop it for two minutes and then they go to the pizza place or whatever. Yeah. But um, it was, it was those first four people that felt like the first sort of celebrity acknowledgement, which is like, I'm a scrappy 20 something, you know, in a dirty sweatshirt sitting on top of my cat box, trying to like <laughs> just play beats outside because my roommates are sick of it. Right. Here's some fancy looking upscale people getting down to chrono trigger music on the street, essentially. 
Unbeknownst um, to them, maybe who knows? <laughs> who knows what where they are now? But thanks, <laughs> thanks for rocking out. They probably were blacked out. They may not even remember. But, uh, <laughs> but to me, that was really significant because it was somebody that I was not facilitating a response from. You know, yeah. you play something for your friend, and they're like, "Hey, what is it?" And they're, oh, it's great, and they still say that no matter what it is. Yeah. But um, just seeing a random stranger like get down, that was like very impactful, and that was a real mission when I was DJing. If you, yeah. you I mean you've seen me perform, yeah. um, as Cutman. You know, uh, but when I'm DJing, you know, I'm not all in the laptop. I'm looking at the crowd, and if people right. are dancing, I will change up my style 100. I think that is the awesome part about your performance too, and your and your set is that it's, a, like, it's really a traditional DJ mentality. It's not like the producer mentality. Very it's interactive, really like, yeah, yeah. It's because like I, I usually don't play my own beats when I DJ. At least for most of my touring, I was curtailing sets for the audience. So I play mm-hmm. a play a big club, play club music, play yeah. a little bar, play pretty little things or <laughs> sus little dance music, you know, whatever works out. Right. But, um, but yeah, it, for me, it's always been about, it's been about playing a good set and um, playing to the crowd and then seeing who sort of like approaches afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I remember some of the uh, Rooster Teeth guys. I played a Screw Attack wow. SGC and then it evolved into a new into a new show and I played one year in one of the higher up executive, wow. I don't know if that's a con running kind of rooster yeah. people were like, Hey man, I really loved your set. And I was like, Hey dude, I saw your face on the big poster of your face. It's like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's the guy. And for me, I mean, I've never been good at like naming celebrities or mm-hmm. following sports or like keeping track of other humans. Like I'm just, it's not right. a priority, but I can tell when somebody is also doing some high level stuff and acknowledge that this, what I'm doing may be higher level than most. Mm-hmm. And um, like the Xavier Woods plug, it came, came completely out of the blue, but it made me realize, oh, here's a guy who's got a really high performing job, he's like performing athletically, probably at the top tier of all humans. He has a PhD. Um, the, 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 <laughs> just like everything about that job, Leads me to believe this is one of the most intense, dedicated people in the world. Yeah. And he's plugging me on a, in 35 seconds on this big podcast because somebody just genuinely asked him, hey, what are you into? And he said, I'm into this guy doing this thing. And uh, <laughs> for me, that has been less about really changing my world. And I thought when I met Dead Mouse, I thought my life was going to change. And you know what happened? It didn't. Yeah. It didn't. I like, <laughs> met a dude. And I and like I had and that might be where we're are conditioned as like the Americans. We think we make a link and like it's gonna open up everything, but it like absolutely does not That is absolutely true. It's not it's not about like a handshake changing the life. It's like the bricks laying the bricks like leading up to that handshake that is i i totally agree i a lot of the people that i had the uh honor of meeting from my path here and, and that's including like rather just you know taking pictures with stan lee to actually interviewing some of the people that i've been fans of it's it's it becomes more than just a stepping stone type of thing also but also you realize the human aspect of it and it humbles you yeah yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think it's important to like stay hungry and stay humble. And, and that's kind of what I'm doing. I just want to keep doing good work, keep making good music. Right. And, you know, there's some incredibly huge, successful, wonderfully talented Twitch streamers that use DJ Cutman or Game Chops music. Um, yeah. There's some incredible talent, entertainers, um, actors, voice actors, like all these kind of people that do all these crazy high level creative jobs yeah. are listening to Game Chops music or DJ Cutman beats. And uh, I'm just so grateful for it. But to me, it's less important about getting, you know, a WWE superstar to hear my Shovel Knight remix and more about me making music that is good enough 
that a WWE star is going to want to listen to it. Yeah. So that's what I try to stay focused on. And you I know what I know. hope too, and 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 going back to him is because I don't know if you heard the news, but he, you know, G four is coming back. Yes, yeah. he is going to be hosting some things, and it will be really cool considering you know certain connections with Megan Rand and everything that they start supporting and looking out for you guys who are you know keeping music keeping especially retro music alive yeah i think it'll be an awesome thing i should send a demo to g4 that's a good idea i look because here's the thing g4 was known for celebrating gaming in all aspects they had tommy uh was it tommy yes who was from the original host of um electro electro um, playground and yeah i knew him from it's a video games live was that his thing no it was it was ep because he he did it with um with the guitar and the orchestra right yes but yeah. he also did you know he was into gaming music too but they also celebrated and they would celebrate different aspects of gaming and mm-hmm. i feel like and, and i used to love the documentaries and stuff so i'm like there would be a no-brainer especially in this day and age because while they were gone as a network you guys were in a there was no such thing as nerdcore or you know chip tunes or any of that stuff leading up to this there was no yeah. like celebration of this from a lot of the cats that are out there now. And I think there's a whole culture that they need to cover in this whole case. So I'm hopefully if this is the real G4 that we've been waiting for, that, oh, yeah. that they would absolutely, or you guys pitch it over to them, you know, in that, on that measure. That's, that's such a good, I mean, uh, I'm ready. G4, if you're watching, <laughs> come man's ready. You hit me up. I'll, we gotta, I'll, we gotta push this interview out to uh, many people uh, as possible. Yeah, to exactly. bring this- <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, I'm down. And my whole thing, and take comfort in the fact that my whole mission is making this music as good as possible. So it's yeah. as useful and uh, both in a utilitarian sense, but also in like an emotional, personal sense yeah. um, to anyone who finds any value of it. You know, me yeah. as a DJ, I do a ton of different styles, um, a ton of different genres. Uh, and my main, the main through line is I'm just trying to make sure all the mixes sound good. You know, I'm just trying yeah. to make sure that everything I make, even if it's some weird stuff, um, yeah. is interesting. But and, that's art. That is yeah, art. Yeah, man. It's, it's my art. And sometimes I, you know, sometimes it's not good to think about it too hard, just to enjoy it and move on. And at least with this year, with how crazy everything's been. I just told a client of mine that exact same thing. Don't think too hard on what you're doing. It, otherwise, it, will, it won't yeah, come out as good. Yeah, there time to, to review and to marinate on and think. But if you're working on something, just do the work and yeah. reflect when you're able, and, but just keep the momentum up. And that's Absolutely. been the mission of this year is just keeping up the momentum. And now, finally, in December, I'm seeing the real um, – the real result of keeping up momentum all year is that the stuff we're putting out now, Game Chaps is putting out, is performing better than ever statistically, but also the comments I'm getting on like Zelda and Chill 2, for example, like go to Zelda and Chill 2 on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, The comments are so heartfelt and so genuine. And like, I can just tell this music really truly means the world to a lot of people right and it means the world to me so that that makes it, it helped brighten my shows all the time because i have it playing and as background music while i'm you know doing my while i'm talking to segments and everything and it, it i think it's absolutely evolved and elevated the show and i can't thank you enough for that oh well thanks for playing it man i appreciate that <laughs> it, it not only play it but i advertise you like on, on if you go on my um my instagram page like your face is all on every single promotion <laughs> that is on there all yeah, right. with, the, with game chops uh website on there and everything too so i trust me i got you that's awesome i know you got me and i appreciate <laughs> that thank you bonus question and last question bonus yeah. question being what is your number one game of 2020 um hades are you kidding me <laughs> i'm not hades is so good i can't even believe it like, i don't I love animal crossing let, let me I'm, stop you right there yeah 
I don't know if also we talked about Streets of Rage. I've also had uh, <laughs> I've also had the creative director for uh, Hades on here from Supergiant. Oh, that's awesome! And I, I also that. congratulated him because he's nominated for multiple awards. Great Cav- uh, Casavan. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, he, and um, the an awesome game. Um, oh, just name just escaped me. The composer for Hades. We played a show together. Uh, mm-hmm. Darren Korb. Is that right? Um, yeah, he's great. He is that awesome whole entire Supergiant Games is together. phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hades is just so good. I would say if I had to make a top three, it'd probably be Hades number one, yeah. Animal Crossing, New Horizons number two for the just the mental health benefits. Yeah, and then three, I would probably say did the Link's Awakening remake came out this year? No, or it did... came out last year, but somebody else mentioned it on our ACMG Facebook group too. Oh, it yeah. feels that like it really came good. out this year, but it was September of 2019. Where <laughs> is my Switch? I would just open up my Switch. But yeah, have I, you played? I, wait, have you played? Um, Age of Calamity yet? You know, I played the demo and I was like, I don't need to do this. I played a lot of those Dynasty Warriors games, man. When I was growing up, every single one, I played them all. I played. It's them funny all. that you said that too, because I mentioned when I reviewed that game that it was it. it they used to be repetitive. Like I played the original Dynasty Warrior when it was a fighting game. Yeah. And then when the PlayStation Two came out, they changed it to this format that they have it now. Yeah. But it it came. It started becoming redundant and repetitive after a while. But when they started taking the license from every other franchise rather anime or video game yeah that's when they started changing up things do you like I, it i would say i i gave it an a because oh. what happens is if you play breath of the wild mm-hmm. I did. and you know how religious that game was yeah they took a lot of the elements that we loved about that game in terms of gameplay mm-hmm. and the art style of course and just narrative and they put it managed to still put it with the base being the dynasty warrior feel but it's a little bit more action-packed it 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 doesn't have the depth because they don't they lack the open world aspect to it yeah and the climate you know features that it had where like you're in a cold area you got to put on warm clothes and all this stuff yeah it's just a more a fun version a just a lot more fun version but you do get the the, the, the get to see what has happened a hundred years prior to that. Yeah, whole thing. I really, I, I'm thinking I might just like. And there's new game YouTube. plus in there, so that was the one thing. That I loved oh, yeah. I might just watch the cutscenes, frankly, because I think um, it's if I want it. action, man. I'm going to play Hades all the time. That game is awesome. What, I've, it's I've made so it ongoing a bunch of times, and I'm like doing the Pact of Punishment, the high difficulty stuff now, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's. How did you feel so when you finally beat Hades? How was that feel? <laughs> Dude, when he, like, this is a spoiler, I guess a little bit spoiler, but when you first make it to the Hades and it's like, you've made it to Earth or whatever, it says, like, you're out, and then Hades is there, and Zagreus goes, oh, right. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, I'm going to have to fight the guy on the box. Like, yeah. I'd so, rather fight Hades than fight um, the dog. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute how they never make you fight the dog. That's exactly. Really I, but, look, like, I made sure I took care of that dog as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so when I, dude, frankly, I think I had the reaction that many people did is when I first beat Hades, I was yeah. just ready. I just jumped right back in and started another run. Yeah, it was. It's so ongoing. It's brilliantly done. I, I look great, Greg, Greg, and that team deserve all of the nominations or accolades that they get this year. Uh, it, it's it's just been so awesome. So, my final question. Yeah. As we finally end this year, mm-hmm. what, um, what exactly are you hoping for uh, to establish and accomplish in 2021? Oh, man, you know what I would really love to happen next year is I have a side project called Bird Boy. It's basically DJ Cutman, but with uh, bird calls instead of like video games. So oh, wow. Um, yeah, they're like, it's, it's kind of like lo-fi beats, but, what I, but I'm going in with like this high concept of yeah. I find a particular species of bird. 
I learn about its behaviors. I learn about like where it sleeps and how it flies. Mm -hmm. And I watch videos of it. I get recordings of its sound from the, this place called the Macaulay library up at Cornell and upstate New York, right. uh, where my wife, uh, got her undergrad and oh. she, she pointed me on. So they have this huge library of bird sounds. So I pick a bird species, let's say the black capped chickadee, yeah. little black birds with the little black, white birds back head. Right. Anyway, I find out, I, I find the bird, I get these high quality recordings of their calls and then they bring it into Ableton and I kind of do a musical analysis of if this bird was singing, what key would it be in? Yeah. Once I figure that out, I like compose wow. a composition that would fit the chirping of the bird. And then I use Ableton to like adjust and edit everything. So it actually, I've, I turn the bird into like kind of like a vocalist almost. This is like Stevie Wonder level like stuff. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's definitely high concept. Like it's yeah. not like a DJ Cutman beat where I was like, oh yeah, Mega Man title select screen. Let's make that into a trap banger. Right. It's like, what kind of beat would a black capped chickadee be? You know, what kind of chords fit a robin? And all <sighs> it's like way more like out there, but the fact that it's like so weird and so, well, the production is like, pretty much like i'm using the same programs yeah but the concept is so far removed from the video game world but you're utilizing it in such a way it's going to be it, I, it could be awesome <laughs> it's super it's a super refreshing project to work on because yeah. it's making me think about my sounds in a entirely different way because you listen to dj Cutman beats like there's a triangle wave or a square wave in all those things yeah and um they're really built around like holding onto this like old synth hard chip kind of sound right so Bird Boy, which there are three songs out. You can just like go to uh, the handle on Instagram and Twitter is Bird Boy Beats. Hmm. And you can search up Bird Boy Beats. There's a link to the Spotify and uh, Apple Music and stuff. And there's three songs out already. But I would love to do a whole album of that because awesome. I'm doing it on my MPC, which you see right back here. Mm -hmm. um, he's sleeping right now. Beauty. But I'm doing it all <laughs> MPC until the very end. So the beat itself feels, it, they feel really organic and fun. And it's just, yeah. it's a way for me to get out of my head because. Uh, I'm gonna love video game music forever. Uh, game Chops is probably gonna run for a hundred years. Um, DJ Cutman, I'll be DJ Cutman for, until my final days. <laughs> but having something that's like just totally different has, uh, it's been one, a really fun exercise for me as a producer, but two, when I cut back into the game stuff, it's like, oh yeah, I mm -hmm. miss Zelda music. I Sometimes miss you gotta step back to get to appreciate it when you get yeah. back. <laughs> so next year I would love to see Bird Boy take wing take flight. Sorry for that pun there. Uh, so I'd love to see more stuff for Bird Boy. And for me as an artist, I just think that, uh, oh yeah, that's it. It's the growth of my personal artistry. So Bird Boy is one example, but I'm also, this is kind of nerdy. I'm taking piano lessons. I'm an adult student learning how to play the piano. I have been jamming my whole life, but now I'm like going through this like grade yeah. school level music book or my teacher says I'm like sixth or seventh grade. Right. Um, but um, wait a minute, you take, you have a music teacher right now? Yeah, I can take it's not Zoom the person that's up in uh, Baltimore Ave, is it? I it's, she did used to be up past Fifty Second Street, but she's she moved. Yeah, because there's one there's a one like right near us, like right up the street, right uh, Fifty what uh, what is it? Forty Six oh, really? in Baltimore Ave. Well, I uh, I got a great teacher. Uh, she used to live up uh, just back beyond Malcolm X Park, but she moved, and now we're doing all the lessons over Zoom. But um, being able to like read a sheet of music is something like I played alto sax and concert band in high school, but mm. I never knew how to read a whole piece of piano music. And wow. I know that the piano is like the instrument that can, can, can encompass, like it can fit in like any style. So yeah. I, I'm hoping to like become a little bit of a better musician through the lens of these traditional piano, uh, piano lessons that I'm taking. Right. Because um, Bird Boy is the first example where I'm like building 
chords and melodies based around a, something that is not intrinsically music, you know, bird calls. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, trying to like buff up my musicianship as much as I can. As you should. Because, um, <laughs> I really feel like I got the mixing stuff down and I certainly know how to collab and engineer, mm-hmm. but uh, I would love to be able to like have more original music. Actually, this is a great segue for my plug. This Friday, <laughs> in just a couple of days, I have my first all original album coming out, DJ Cutman album mm-hmm. called Free to Stream. It is both free to stream on people's streams and YouTube, but it's also like about a free stream of consciousness. It's, it's like these are beats that I made with no preconceived ideas, just right. pure creativeness, like pure creative uh, stream of consciousness. But they're all DJ Cutman, so they have that DJ Cutman kind of mm-hmm. sound and style. Your, sig- your signature, yeah. Yeah. So free to stream is out on Friday. And then I'm hoping, I'm running and gunning to have DJ Cutman Volume 5, which I know everyone's been waiting for for years and years and years. It's like 20 beats over the past four years that have never gotten like real proper releases yeah that should come out by the end of the year so dj cutman's finally it's been a long time since i put out music for my own self but over this past month i've been i I finished up free to stream and i got that shift it's coming out on friday i'm getting to the finish line with dj cutman volume five and then i'm even tidying up all of my like dance tracks for yeah. a third album called Turbo Mode, which will probably come out in January. Awesome. So DJ Cutman's got a lot of music finally coming out, even though for like the past three years, I've basically just been 24-7 game chops. Right. So um, yeah, follow if, you, if you're not following me already and you like this kind of music, it's like hit me, just hit a follow on Spotify is the most effective way to get tuned in. But Apple Music and Deezer and Tidal and all those places. Yeah. Um, Apple Music's been actually giving me a hard time uh, lately. Really? <laughs> yeah yeah they were really strict about title formatting i think they actually rejected free to stream even though most of the songs are already out they yeah. wouldn't take the album i don't know it, it's this everybody thing. has their own stipulations it sucks spotify <laughs> has been really good to me though mm-hmm. so if you hear anybody out there being like spotify's mean they're they're real nice to their boy cut me hey they, they let me air my show on air so i'm, I'm they oh, go yeah. me yes awesome. <laughs> yeah so i mean i have no worries I, uh, for next year, I'm just, I'm just stoked. It's been a weird, weird wild ride, but we, we, we're going to make it. We're going to make it out of this year. And, Indeed. Uh, and I am happy. Like I said, I, I couldn't be more happier and honored and, you know, humbled to be, you know, have you guys like you and Megaran and Kay Murdoch and all of you guys coming in my road to help me get through my journey here doing what I'm doing as like both a designer and a hey, podcaster hey, now. <laughs> yeah, dude, the, the, the honor's mine, man. It's so great to talk to you and, and I appreciate you having me on and, and, uh, and getting to talk. My cat is meowing like she's hungry. Hey, I missed that cat. <laughs> Are you going to see the cat? Yeah, I want to see the cat. It's been a while. Whoa. <laughs> Look at you all grown. Yeah, this is the real content. Yeah, she's big now. Oh, my God, you're grown. You say hi. There she is. <laughs> There's the thumbnail for you. Exactly. Right. Well, thanks, Dax. I appreciate no. your time. Man. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, if you need to hit me up or you want to, if, if you watch this interview, you like what I've been talking about, uh, you can follow me at Video Game DJ on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And DJ Cutman on YouTube. Oh, and, of course, GameChops.Music.GameChops.com, of course. Yeah, yes. Uh, Gamechops.com, we actually redid the whole website. So you can just go to Gamechops.com. And it's a real nice site now, I promise. Most of the pages are working. (laughs) That's awesome. Chris, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this very special episode with myself and DJ Cutman. On behalf of myself and DJ Cutman, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. We are out of air. Philly is out.
This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.